The Network Live. News, insights, and stories right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Don't miss this opportunity to hear world news, insights, and stories from guests around the world. The Network Live is your pathway to connecting people and ministries. Good morning and welcome to the Network Live. I'm your host, Debbie Rule. Today we'll be hearing a message from Lance Wallnow. Could this be a miracle year? 2021. And we want to wish everyone out there a happy, happy new year. And thank you for listening to the Network Live. Here's Lance. Aren't you happy that it's a new year? I think so many people were saying, oh, 2020. What a uh, roller coaster that was. Well, maybe 2021 is even going to be more interesting. I can remember when I was writing the book on God's Chaos Code last year that uh, the Lord was telling me Haggai was going to be the big chapter, just two chapters. And in that, uh, those two chapters, it talks about the prophet of the shaking. And what is the purpose of all that shaking? The purpose of all the shaking is thrones and dominions and powers being pushed down so that the glory of God could come into the church. And that's exactly what I think is happening. I think if you'll just put your finger to the wind in the spirit, just go ahead and test it. The anointing is increasing. The power of God is increasing. Something is happening, and God is building a strong house in the earth. And, you know, I really think I might have bit off a little bit more than I I could chew in terms of, like, sometimes you could be dumping more revelation or more information than people are really interested in. Because, for instance... There's an economic warfare going on. Many people don't get the big picture globally. There's an information warfare going on, and that's the tech world, and that's the, that's the whole cyber world and what's happening with media. And then there's the uh, religious warfare. And most people don't even stop and realize that what we're dealing with right now with the civic government, for instance, is a civic religion. I mean, there literally is the... Corporations are being pressured right now to have to bow the knee to the diversity demands, and that includes the LGBTQ demands that are there for corporations. And NASDAQ is being putting, you know, is actually putting pressure on their 3,500 businesses to have to conform to the new state religion. Basically, it's a state religion. We're going back almost to like the Roman Empire days here. So what, how, does that, how does it become goodness? Well, because the church flourished in the first century. I mean, everybody wants to see signs and wonders in the outpouring of God like a first century church. Well, welcome to first century Christianity. But it all starts off with the prioritizing of your life. And this is so important. Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. And what we're doing right now is you're starting the year off in the beginning with God. That's the secret. It's because when you start the year off with God, then you have a reprioritizing of exactly what the Father wants to do in your life. And that's the secret to success. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And and there's a curious... uh, use of Hebrew here that is uh, so interesting because it literally says in Hebrew 
that uh, the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. The earth was without form, and tohu vabohu. That's the Hebrew, tohu vabohu. It describes the kind of um, primordial um, disorganization, uh, something with totally without definition. My friend Jordan Peterson uh, looks at this verse with such a unique lens. He says that it's the logos, the word of God, hovering over the chaos, the tohu vabohu. And what happens is the logos, which is the word, hovers over the chaos of the world. And out of it, God speaks and God says, let there be light. And God speaks and he calls forth the firmament in the midst of the heaven. And God speaks and the waters begin to separate. What I want you to catch is the spirit of God and the word of God literally reshape chaos. And that's where uh, the church is right now. So with this year, what I want you to be looking at is, what is the Lord speaking to you in terms of the, uh, the ordering of your life? I have a friend of mine who's a, a successful businessman who sold, oh, I don't know, it was a huge business, I don't know, several hundred million dollars worth of business when he sold the Silicon Valley business. And he's one of the good guys in Silicon Valley. And uh, Ken told me something. He said that the Lord was speaking to him about prioritizing his life. And he got convicted and began to commit to a 40-hour work week. And he would not let the pressure of circumstance drive him past that because he saw so many hours were going to be needed uh, with the Lord every day and so much time with the Lord. And then his family and then his marriage and, and his, uh, his ministry and his involvement with church and his work. In other words, he looked at his schedule and he made a decision that he was going to prioritize things so that his commitment was to allocate time for his health, for instance, and for his home. And he stopped allowing the clock to tyrannize him and, uh, and, and to, to control him. And what happened was he found out that the business flourished with that 40-hour discipline. So I was uh, recently talking with Robert Morris, pastor at Gateway, and, uh, and I was telling him, I said, you know, the problem a little bit with the, the, the COVID and the, this China virus is that now actually so much activity is done by Zoom, and if you're involved with communication, I'm actually not traveling as much as I used to. So I'm actually in more technology than I've ever been before. And he said something. He said that the Lord had spoke to him about the Sabbaths and how, remember how Israel, when God judged Israel, was because they weren't keeping those Sabbaths. And it's strange verse because the Babylonian captivity with all the sins that Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied that, uh, that Jerusalem and Israel was doing and committing that was playing into the Nebuchadnezzar rising and the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem, the Lord tells them that he is going to put them under a 70-year timeout in Babylon basically until the times of their Sabbaths have been redeemed because they didn't observe the Sabbath. Now stop and think about this. There's a greater revelation here than I think you and I realize. And uh, for a believer especially, in the beginning was the word. Putting the priorities right 
and stepping back and saying, what is the Father calling us to do? Think about this. Every seventh day is the time of rest, the time of actually seeking the Lord. You know, if you're in Israel, it's a kind of a curious experience. My wife observed this right away because she's really big on, on family, house, and community. And uh, she would say to me, notice how on the Sabbath, they, the taxis stop, the cars stop. You're almost scolded if you're using a taxi. And, and we were at a hotel, obviously. And all throughout the hotel, there were the grandparents with the sons and daughters and the children kind of playing around. They sat in a big circle for, the, for Shabbat. And, she, and this is the discipline of the culture to this day in Israel. And I realized something. I want you to think about this for a second. Not many of you practice biblical discipline. I'm not going to get on you too hard on this. I'm going to tell you, I've learned. Not many Christians practice tithing. Annabelle and I have been doing that for, oh, I guess now we've been married 35 years, and uh, we practiced it. And what I found is that, that if you could trust God with 10 pennies on a dollar, then that 90, 90 cents that's left on that dollar kind of has the hand of God upon it. And we have literally had to live, I guess, supernaturally dependent on the Lord. I can remember the first year that I was in ministry, how, how distressed I was because my, I came out of corporate. I came out of the corporate world. I literally was walking in the, in the corridors of uh, a company that was in the New York Stock Exchange. And I left it like the rich young ruler to go do revival, evangelism, church planning, and I can remember when I started off in this church, I didn't have enough money for my income tax. And I was embarrassed. It was like $2,000 I needed. And you listen, when you're broke, $2,000 is like the lottery. And we're going back years ago. And I just went in to the Lord and I, I sat at a piano. Don't forget this. And I just worshiped because it was like April 14th and I didn't have a check. What's worse is my dad, who I, who actually began, who at the end of his life saw the hand of the Lord. At the time when I was left, he said, what are you going to do? You're going to leave a corporate job, a good job to go what? To be broke in ministry? And I didn't want him to know that I didn't have enough money for my taxes. So I went into the sanctuary of the church where I was on staff as an assistant pastor, not a number two, but like a number four. I was in the totem pole way down there. I wasn't doing this because it was a career move, believe me. It was obedience. And I worshiped the Lord at the piano in the sanctuary, and I worshiped the Lord. And when I got done worshiping, I opened my eyes, and there was a $2,000 check on the piano. And uh, somebody had heard, and the Lord moved on them to bail me out of my distress. My car broke down that first year. Transmission. I couldn't afford another $2,000 bill, $2,500. And I can remember how I, I was a fellow in the church. God bless him. He, he actually gave me the keys to his car, and, and the car had a hole in, on the floor of the car near the accelerator. So when it rained, the water came in and my feet got wet. It was, it was not my, my beautiful Buick that the transmission got shot, but it was a car. And, I was, and on that car, I put a, a, um, an index card with the drawing of the outline of a car. And I just had a picture of this car. And I said, Lord, I don't want anyone to know about my, my, you know, my, my problem. I don't want my family to find out. 
I don't want my dad to find out. And uh, I just drove around in that beat up car. And, what, and I was consulting back then. I used to make a little bit of extra money because I was still using my corporate skills. And I would go to businesses and they'd call me up and I was consulting, but I would park two blocks away so they wouldn't see the car I pulled up in because the car couldn't even pass inspection nowadays. And so the uh, moment of truth came when my father called me up and said, how are you doing? I said, fine. And he said, how's the car? And I realized I cannot lie. I have to tell him. And he's the one who warned me I'd be broke if I left the business world. And when we get back, I'll tell you this unusual conversation. If you enjoyed today's program, we'd like you to consider becoming a partner with Lance Wallnow Ministries. Become a partner today by visiting lancewallnow.com partner or call 877-481-6556. It's time to take this uncompromising perspective out into the airwaves. Partner with us now by calling 877-481-6556 or go to lancewallnow.com partner. Together, we can make a difference. And so, what I just got done telling you is my car transmission shot. I'm in full-time ministry. I'm up in Rhode Island. I left Philadelphia, New York market where I was in corporate world. And my dad shook his head when I left. And he said that um, I'd be broke. And I couldn't make a living in ministry. And here I was, supernaturally needing the Lord to bail me out. Because my car transmission, the first year, boom. I lost it. I couldn't afford the $2,500 to replace it. I'm driving around in the car that a friend of mine had loaned me, which was a real clunker. But even, even, even then, it was a gift from God because I was believing God for a new car because I'm really believing this. And it's kind of a really, I'm getting plunged in the deep end of the pool now because I, don't have, I used to have a corporate car, company car, free gas everything. Now I'm asking the Lord, what am I supposed to do? My father calls and checks out, tell me about how you're doing. How's the car? I can't lie to him. I say, well, the transmission's shot on the uh, Buick. And, uh, you know, well, how much is it going to cost to fix? Oh, about $2,500. And there's a pause and I'm just dying. And then he says something most unusual. I want you to think about how unique God is, how wild God is. He says to me, now my father at this point is an unbeliever. He says, I'm calling you because I had a dream last night. And in the dream, I believe the good Lord told me I'm supposed to buy you a car. And I'm just calling to see what's going on. And I said, well, it's true, Dad. I need a car. I'm driving one. It's got 140,000, 150,000 miles on it, and it's, it's holding up. But I really do need a car. And so he said, I want you to come down to Philadelphia this weekend. And we're going to go shop, and we'll get you a car. This is amazing. So I, I, I now have Annabelle, of course, praying. We go down to visit my dad. God is the one who ratted me out and told the truth. 
I was trying to hide it. And God goes right to my father to give him a, this is the first encounter my father has with the voice of the Lord. And, and it's not to lead him to Jesus, it's to buy his son a car. So we go out and we start with a $6,000 car, which is a big deal, a Dodge this or that, and then we work our way up. But remember, I had on the dashboard of that clunker, I had the outline of a car, and the outline of it was actually like a Toyota Camry. So at the last stop we do, we go into a Toyota dealership, and there's this like, oh, Annabelle will remember, it's like a $16,000, $17,000 Toyota Camry. And I'm looking at it, and uh, I'm thinking, well, this is not what my dad was thinking. He was thinking 6000 But uh, it was a cream puff. It was beautiful. I mean, it was cranberry colored, and the inside had this gray kind of uh, velvety feel in the leather interior. And I just melted. I mean, I love this car. And my father buys me a brand-new Toyota Camry. And when I drove it to Rhode Island... It matched exactly what in my spirit. And I'm not a car guy, so I never, you know, a lot of people are like, they're into this stuff. But it's just like, I just drew the outline. I looked at it. It was exactly the outline of what I was praying and confessing with that index card picture on the dashboard of the clunker. And I remember something that Kenneth Copeland said. He said when he got behind with his bills, with his broadcasts, he owed a million dollars. And he sat back and he, got a hold of glory and said, you know how we got this ministry going? I used to have to believe God for a necktie. I had to believe God for a suit. Then it got to the point where we were believing God for TV stations. And he said, how we did that was we sowed. We literally practiced everything we preach. And if we're going to get into this next level, we're going to have to do it all over again. And so he started doing that intentionally sewing that way. And I'm sharing these stories. I hardly ever tell these stories because um, one of the, you know, the fun things about my life is that I actually have been blessed with the Lord kind of supernaturally providing. But I really feel as though this is a time when to go where we've got to go, we actually are going to have to stand with each other. And, and it's kind of like Elisha or Elijah, when he's down to the, the miracle that he needs and he goes to a widow, and this, uh, this widow woman with her son has this one meal of cake, and he, it's the strangest thing, because you talk about a televangelist getting in trouble, he's asking this woman to give him the last morsel she's got, because the morsel she's got is going to feed him, and it's going to release in him the ability to sustain her supernaturally. And I'm telling you something, in the beginning God. What I want you to do right now is to commit yourself to the fact that no matter what storms are on the horizon, your sowing is into the realm of the Spirit, and from the Spirit you are going to reap. That God is the God who oversees the whole system, and that his provision is such that that I think there's a supernatural glory that's coming to the church. It's interesting to me that when Haggai speaks about the uh, shaking of heaven and earth, in order that the house can be filled with glory, it's that strange verse that says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Well, why is God saying that? Because God is the God of his own economic system. So here's a verse I want you to think about. In the beginning, building on the priorities that God has, building on the Sabbath, 
recognizing that if, if let's say, a tithe for the Jew, and a tithe in the Bible is 10%, how is it that you can take 10% of what you have, release it, and you increase? If it works in finance, it works in time, and that's the principle of the Sabbath. You take one-seventh of your time, your competition could be working around the clock, seven days a week, trying to take you out. But it's the giving of that seventh to the Lord. And it's the investment of that in your spiritual health, in your family, in the, in the uh, social environment of that really is the ecclesia that God gave you. As you nurture that with one-seventh of your time, God redeems the time. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Just like he redeems the finance, he redeems the time. And it comes down to faith, because it's faith to take that money and prove God. It's faith to take your time and prove God. But I want you to think about it. The moment that you die, you've got 100% dependence on God from that moment. What happens to you next is 100%. You might as well start learning about the 100% trust factor before you go to heaven. So here's a great promise. Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and see. You see, I love King James, huh? Doth corrupt. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Or I could also say, nor the government, which is the biggest thief you've got. The difference between the government and a thief is in, in your parking lot, a thief can come up and make you give your wallet uh, to them with a gun held to your head, and the government does that uh, every year the same way. But that's another story. But where thieves can't break through and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So stop and think about this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is this verse talking about? I honestly think we have a religious mindset on this. The way I always read that is, oh, you know, you're giving and it goes up into heaven. Let me ask you a question. Why would your treasure be in heaven when there's no need for a bank account in heaven? Most people miss this. Your treasure is in heaven because you're making withdrawals from the spirit realm into planet Earth. Catch this. Your sowing, whether it's your time, your talent, or your substance, when you sow it to the Spirit, the Apostle Paul says, of the Spirit you reap, meaning the treasury up there is not so that when you go to heaven, you get multiplied wealth back with interest. You don't need it. You're walking on streets of gold. You're, 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 you're living in, a, in the mansion that Jesus built for you in a place where there's no need for provision, uh, where you'd have to sweat in order to work because all things are provided. The treasure is what you draw from while you're on earth. I'm going to tell you an interesting story. I was in uh, two situations where parents needed a miracle for their children. And in uh, one case in California, the, uh, the brother had, had a vision when he needed that miracle of healing for a family member. And the Lord took him in, into a vision and he went to a, like a deposit box in, in a vault. And when he pulled it out, there was his faithfulness from his whole life, giving. And from that, this is an unusual thing, but from that came the spirit of the Lord 
to extend a hand of intervention because his faithfulness in times past had released the supernatural into the present need. I remember a young man in our church in Rhode Island, same story, parents were faithful, faithful in church, faithful in giving. The son was rebellious, got involved with a gang, got involved with gang, a gang fight. And my God, they took a cinder block and crushed his skull with a cinder block. And he was dead. But the, uh, the ambulance driver that went to go pick him up recognized who he was. And he put him into the ambulance and took him to the emergency room instead of uh, the morgue. And so he goes into the emergency room. It's a fact in our church. And so they, they take him in there. And, and somehow he was, though his, his skull was crashed in, they were able to resuscitate him and revive him. So he was supposed to go in dead on arrival, but he ends up being resuscitated. Now we prayed and fasted, which was what the beautiful thing about a great church. And we warred over him. And we literally watched him as he went from the floor where he was in the hospital, where you could hear the crying and the weeping, because this is where you go before you die. And they had to move him to another floor. His head, skull, was swelled out like that. And then the Lord began to shrink it, shrink it, shrink it, shrink it down. And I'm telling you something. When he got up and walked out of that hospital room, he went up to the seventh floor where the nurses were that took him in, and they shrieked, which is a very strange thing, in shock. And he brought them flowers. And he thanked them for their faithfulness. Because uh, his parents, who had been faithful with their finance, faithful in their giving. And I'm not saying that this is some kind of a formula gimmick thing. I'm just telling you my experiences that there's a treasure in heaven. And I've seen, and here's what I learned from that California case that the way God makes the withdrawal is always unique. Some of you will look for it financially. You may not need it. Your big breakthrough may be a supernatural deliverance, a supernatural healing. You have no idea, but I'm going to tell you this. The treasure in heaven is a real treasure, and God releases that treasure in the form you need it, in the way you need it. Remember the Apostle Paul? We sow to the Spirit, our giving is to the Spirit, and from the Spirit, we reap. My encouragement for you is to uh, be faithful in putting God first, in the beginning, God. And in the beginning, put your Sabbath. In the beginning, put the family in the Sabbath. In the beginning, put your well-being and health in that Sabbath. And take your finances and order them according to God's word and God's way. And by the way, I want to thank all of you who have been so faithful to us over the years. You're part, you are the supernatural testimony. And I don't teach this often, but I do it when the Lord tells me to in the beginning. You can sow this year and help us get this message out. LanceWallnow.com forward slash give. Because our, we've got three warehouses filled with uh, provision, furniture, mattresses. And then food and clothing for the poor that are here in our own area. We've watched uh, over 100 households get blessed because of you. And I want to thank you for that. The broadcasts are there for you and uh, because of you.
lancewallet.com forward slash give. Let's together sow into the spirit and watch God make this a miracle year. If you enjoyed today's program, we'd like you to consider becoming a partner with Lance Wall Now Ministries. Become a partner today by visiting lancewallnow.com slash partner or call 877-481-6556. It's time to take this uncompromising perspective out into the airwaves. Partner with us now by calling 877-481-6556 or go to lancewallnow.com slash partner. Together, we can make a difference. Lance Wall Now has just released his latest book, God's Chaos Code. You need to know the code. You need to know what's happening right now. There is a code in the chaos. There's a purpose in the shaking. Once you see this, it's going to give stability and strength to you. God is literally raising up an awakening generation right now. It's hidden in the code. You need to know the code. Order God's Chaos Code now at GodsChaosCode.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you would like to hear a rebroadcast of the network live, visit knelradio.com or find our podcast on iTunes and podbean.com. To follow more news, insights, and stories, follow the network live on Facebook. If you would like more information about being a guest on the network live, contact us at thenetworklive.org. The network live will be back next week at 10 a.m. right here on KNEO Radio 95.3 FM and KNEOradio.com. I'm Debbie Rule. Thank you for listening today.